Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. Hey, that's my mom. And Glenn Levens. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air. <laughs> On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's Friday, January 12th, 2024. Good morning and welcome back to another edition of Morning Air. Happy Friday. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverins and studio producer Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be with you here early this morning on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app as we get ready uh, for a long weekend. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, winter weather is in play for much of our nation. We'll talk about that here momentarily. As we always do every single Friday, let's remember the sacred heart of Jesus as well as the passion and death of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, have a question for you here. How's your marriage going? Uh, do you have any questions or do you need advice on your marriage? Join us for the debut of Marriage Unhindered when Morning Air contributor Doug Hinder uh, debuts his show uh, this Saturday. Doug is a licensed marriage and family therapist with 42 plus years of marriage and family experience of his own. Marriage Unhindered live tomorrow, Saturday, 11 a.m. Central here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We're also uh, really excited uh, to have the Dave Durant Show back uh, on Relevant Radio. Uh, Dave is focused on helping people integrate their faith life into their career, drawing from decades of building and leading companies. Morning Air contributor Dave Durant will uh, share practical tips to increase personal results and leadership skills so you can uh, tune in to the Dave Durant Show. And yes, that is uh, his famous uh, theme. Uh, it'll be uh, coming up again tomorrow, uh, one p.m. Central here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. Want to bring in Glenn and Sarah. Hey, Glenn, let me guess what the big story is here uh, this morning. Well, for those uh, in the central Midwest, all you got to do is look out the window. That's uh, that's the big story. You got some snow coming down or on the way and very cold temps is the thermometer really coming down. So those new shows will give you something to listen to while you're out shoveling there. Just put the headphones in and you'll be you'll be good to go. Here's what the Weather Channel has to say about all this. Blizzard warnings now in effect for parts of the Midwest, and that is because winds will be a big element of this storm that we'll see all weekend long and blowing and drifting snow with visibility down to zero is certainly on the table for parts of the Midwest. This storm will move away by Sunday, five to eight inches likely on the table for Chicago, three to five in Minneapolis and parts of the UP of Michigan. Well, you could be looking at over a foot. So with this latest winter storm, we're going to have a chance for severe weather down in parts of the south, really anywhere from the Texarkana region all the way through the Tennessee Valley and into the southeast. Tornado threat, the threat for damaging wind, we even could see some hail overnight as well. Glenn, it was a little uh, treacherous, uh, the drive-in this morning, but uh, when I pulled into the parking lot, I saw that uh, Sarah had beat me here. Uh, that was good news. She made it safe and sound. <sighs> You just imagine your deep sigh of relief. Yes, I left extra early and I didn't really run into anything, but it started to pick up right as I was uh, right after I filled my gas tank up to make sure I had just the right amount of gasoline for the trip home. And so, yeah, very grateful for that. But if you're out there now, it's slippery, especially in this uh, area of the United States. So please be careful. I've got my totes on this morning over my Nikes, uh, Glenn. 
<laughs> well, you're ready for about a two-inch snowdrift there. Way to go. All right. Very Abs- good. Absolutely. But, uh, that's a very colorful radar out there right now. Uh, central Nebraska all the way over to uh, central Indiana. Snow, and that's uh, gradually inching upward a little bit into the southern parts of Minnesota and Wisconsin. Then a, a very colorful storm system of the uh, thunderstorm variety uh, just uh, a bit south of Chicago all the way down into Louisiana and that'll blanket the, the southeast this morning as well. So anything from tornadoes further to the south and uh, snow across the Midwest, another another big system to deal with, and uh, you'll hear the, the noise of snowblowers this weekend. Bottom line, keep an eye and listen uh, to uh, the local uh, weather reports because it can be extremely dangerous out there. Uh, real quick, a couple of other stories. Uh, uh, the uh, U.S.-British uh, strikes uh, on uh, the... Uh, Iran-backed uh, Houthis uh, in, uh, in in Yemen. What, what's what's going on with that? Well, the Houthi rebel group in charge in Yemen has been uh, firing indiscriminately and sometimes uh, more precisely at shipping in the Red Sea, and that's uh, caused many, about at least a, a quarter of uh, shipping companies to, to halt what they were doing or take the really long way around Africa to get their products uh, uh, ultimately to, to Europe instead of going through the Suez Canal. And uh, uh, the U.S. and Britain have been shooting down drones uh, almost on a daily basis. I believe there's been like 27 attacks since uh, mid-November. And so uh, this time around, the U.S., Britain, and some other allies uh, uh, took the attacks uh, right to the Houthis in Yemen, attacking some of the, the bases where those uh, those drones and uh, missiles had been launched from. They're backed by Iran, so there's some interest in watching how Iran will do, keeping an eye on this. And also the Houthi rebels last few years have been... Uh, fighting with Saudi Arabia and uh, and could be launching in retaliation, you know, some missiles in that direction too. So this is uh, another look at the temperature ramping up around the greater Middle East. Absolutely. Uh, as always, uh, thanks so much, uh, Glenn and Sarah. We'll have more uh, coming up next hour. We begin every morning as we always do in prayer, always giving thanks to our Lord for all of the many blessings uh, through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary, as uh, we continue to pray for peace in our world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of Relevant Radio, pray for us. And let's invoke the Holy Spirit this morning in a special way. Come, Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life this morning is from 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 25. Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may attain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable wreath. The Apostle St. Paul reminds us that the spiritual life is like an athletic competition using the language of sports. Athletes fight and prepare to win a crown like the Michigan Wolverines who won the college football national championship this past Monday night. But as spiritual athletes for Christ, our goal is the crown of eternal life, an incorruptible crown with our Lord Jesus Christ, our Blessed Mother Mary, St. Joseph, and all the angels and saints in heaven for all eternity. And so I want to encourage you to 
Keep running the race of life and run to win with our Lord Jesus Christ. And we always pray with great confidence that prayer from the Chapel of Divine Mercy. Jesus, I trust in you. As always, you can send us an email directly. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. Now, this morning, we're going to talk about living heroic virtue in our everyday lives. Uh, We know that we are all called to grow in holiness and ultimately uh, to become saints and to get to heaven. The Catholic Church teaches about the universal call to holiness in ordinary life. Holiness is not just for canonized saints. But what does the term heroic virtue actually mean for those of us who are trying to to love our families and grow in holiness. I recently spoke to Teresa Savantos Barber, the assistant editor for Alatea, who wrote a really interesting article called Reflecting Upon the Quiet Heroism of Winter Mornings. Here's my conversation with Teresa Savantos Barber. Good morning, Teresa. Welcome to Morning Air. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. It, it is great to be with you here on the show for the first time. Good morning, John. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here with you guys. Well, I have you know that uh, I was really moved by your article that you wrote, uh, reflecting upon the quiet heroism of winter meetings. Can you share a little bit about the, the story that inspired you to, to write this? So I was driving back from the gym one morning, and it was 6 a.m. in Chicago, dark, you know, pitch blackout, below zero temperatures, freezing cold. And as I'm driving, I'm right ahead of the bus that goes up to the local train station to catch that express train to downtown Chicago. And I noticed that every bus stop, there was like one or two men standing out there with a briefcase or a backpack. And I slowly realized, oh my gosh, these are all these dads heading to work. You know, maybe they're not all dads, but in my neighborhood, probably a lot are. And they've probably got little kids at home, wife at home, and they're out in this freezing cold dark every day doing this commute. And it actually really connected me to my own husband who does the same commute every day. But I kind of was taking it for granted, not even thinking about it, not even appreciating that he does this for us every day. And so it really inspired me to be grateful um, for this sacrifice he makes for our family and also to just appreciate all the all the dads and moms and, you know, anyone who's doing these little act, acts of sacrifice and love every day to care for their family and go out in the cold and the dark like that. Well, just the fact that you uh, are in the gym that early in the morning, that you'd be coming back at six in the morning, that's that's impressive there, Teresa. <laughs> oh, gosh, John, my family was teasing me that the real reason I wrote the article was to mention that. <laughs> that is hysterical. Oh, man. Well, I got to tell you that your article, uh, when I read it, it really hit home uh, uh, for me uh, because I get up at 345 uh, in the morning every single uh, day. And by the grace of God, and I say it by the grace of God, because because by nature, I am not a morning person. I am totally a night owl from my many years as a sports reporter. Have you caught any of our sports chatter there about the big Michigan-Washington game at the, at the, at the beginning of the, of the show? Uh, yeah, uh, getting up that early in the morning has is, is really uh, been uh, a challenge. Uh, but uh, I, I do it like so many other uh, fathers and mothers. Uh, we do it, uh, you know, through, through rain, through sleet, through blizzards, you know, you know scraping the snow off the car at, uh, you know, quarter to five in the morning. We do it out of love. And I think that Absolutely. that is so much of, of what that article really uh, meant to me that you wrote. Yes, absolutely. You know, one friend said to me, are you sure that these people are motivated out of love? People might be just doing it because they're trying to 
you know, get out of some kind of selfishness or something. But I said to myself, I know what's motivating my husband to do this and it's love for his family. And I, and you same, same situation. And myself when I'm, you know, getting out there in the morning. Um, and I know that it's love that's driving us. And when we let love be the thing that lights our way, lights our path, it becomes something holy. You know, it's not something that we're just doing because we got to do it daily grind. It becomes something beautiful. It's a gift we can give to God. Well, I got to tell you, I, I mentioned moms and dads that that, uh, that get up early, uh, you know, out of love for their families. But uh, our very own uh, studio producer, uh, Sarah, I mean, I drive 15 minutes. She drives about an hour all the way from Joliet every, every morning. You, you talk about virtue. Wow. Yes, that's incredible. And it's so easy to start taking these things for granted and, and you know, not even realize what a sacrifice especially if it's like your loved ones. And I, I kept thinking, I want to be grateful. I want to be grateful that my husband is doing this. Um, yes. And to remember to offer that gift. Um, yeah, it's incredible. We can take it for granted, but that's one of the things that, you know, I talk here about uh, the, the catechism actually defines heroic virtue or Catholic encyclopedia as a habit of good conduct that has become a second nature. And that was so interesting to me because in my head, I thought, Oh, heroic virtue, you know, some rare one time big, one-off event, but that it actually feels like second nature because you do it every day. You know, um, that's incredible to me. And I just wanted to, you know, shed some light on that. That's something that I hadn't thought of it that way before. Well, I want to bring in uh, Sarah here on the other side of the glass because you talk about heroic virtue, uh, driving all the way from Joliet to our studios in Lincolnshire. And, you know, you're in the Chicago area. That, that's a long way. Well, I think uh, you're, yeah. you're impressed easily, John. So this is good. I'm <laughs> we're impressing you. But, uh, you, know, you, you know, I never thought of it that way either, Teresa. And I'm thinking about it as you're, you're saying it now, you know, you're building up these habits that you don't even realize that you're building up that, you know, like you said, stem from love. You know, th this is a, a need. My The job that I have, it requires me to get up at this time and, and drive and you just do it. And then over time, you, you are your flexing the muscles, getting them ready for when you actually have to do other things that require heroic virtue. Well, hey, you've been doing it all along. So it's good to know that I have been. So, hey, maybe I'm stronger than I think. I like it. <laughs> yes, yes, I love it. Yes, it's like those little day-by-day -day choices to do that hard, good thing builds up. And then when something really big, unexpected comes along, you're ready. You've got those muscles built up. I love it. Well, Teresa, I need to build up uh, more of my uh, gym muscles that apparently you have because I'm just, <laughs> I got to get back into that habit. And I'm, 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 I am working on it. It is part of my New Year's resolution, but uh, off to a slow start here so far. Uh, I think we'll be picking up the pace here as the weeks go on in January. <laughs> Oh, I love it. You know what? I joke that I do it to get through the winters because, uh, you know, those endorphins make you so happy. So if you struggle with, you know, the cold, the dark, any of that seasonal depression, um, getting in the gym just makes you so happy the rest of the day. So hang in there. <laughs> well, you know, every single one of us is supposed to to try to, to grow in heroic uh, virtues. Uh, we're all supposed to try to be saints at the end of our lives. Yes. Yes. It's beautiful. It's, it's that universal call to holiness. You know, something that we see so many of the saints speak of, St. John Paul II, St. Jose Maria Escriva, you know, that this is for everyone. It's not for, you know, that one person out on a mountain, you know, a hermit or something, you know, um, we're right here, you know, you're, we're driving, you know, the highways of Chicago, we're at the gym, you know, right, right in daily life. And it's every one of us. Yes, I love that. Uh, in your uh, article, you, you shared a T.S. 
Elliot's four uh, quartets as, as a description of living daily heroic uh, virtue. Can you share that with our with our listeners? Yes, absolutely. He speaks of practicing a lifetime's death in love, ardor and selflessness and self-surrender. And when I read those words, I thought a lifetime's death in love. That's, you know, at the time I had all my kids were really little. And I was like, oh, that's what it's like getting up every night, you know, to care for the baby in the middle of the night, changing all those diapers, you know, picking up after the toddlers. Um, it's a lifetime's death in love, but it applies to so many situations, you know, whatever, whatever vocation a person's in, if it's being done with that love and that, that little act of death to self, the sacrifice, the surrender, that is part of all of our lives, right? You can't get away from it. Um, you know, no one's free from, from all those sacrifices, but when they're done with that love and turning towards God, you know, it's not just the daily grind, but it's something beautiful. It's a gift we can give God. No, no question about it. Do, do you think that uh, it's a good practice to, to say thank you, uh, to, to have gratitude in one's heart uh, for our spouses and our loved ones uh, who do some of these uh, quiet acts of love uh, day in and day out? Absolutely. And, you know, that was really what motivated me to even write the article in the first place, because seeing these guys at the bus stop made me realize, oh, my gosh, my husband does this every day. And I I rarely thank him for it. And, you know, it's so easy, as especially as a stay-at-home mom, to just think, oh, I do so much for the family. I'm home with the kids. He gets to go off to work. But no, he's sacrificing just as much in a different way. And it was such a wake-up call to me to be grateful to him and, and to think about, gosh, instead of just thinking about what I'm doing for my family, let me look at what my husband's doing and thank him and even notice what my friends are doing and thank them for that too because, um, when I see those sacrifices they're making for their family, it encourages and inspires me to give more to my own family. And, you know, a lot of times when you see the saints or really holy people, they kind of come in groups, you know, they inspire and encourage each other. And I love to think that, you know, my friends, my family, we can do that for each other um, and inspire each other to do those acts of of sacrifice and love and holiness. You know, um, I feel like um, every one of us has a, has a different mission in life. You know, not everybody is called, uh, you know, to get up super early in the morning, but every one of us has a unique mission that our Lord has called us to do. Can, can maybe, can you share a few thoughts on, on that idea? Yes, absolutely. It, you know, holiness is going to look different for every person. And I always like to think of something Pope Benedict said. He said, there are as many ways to heaven as there are people. And I think about that all the time. You know, your path to holiness, my path to holiness, they're going to be different. But what's what's the key? What's the secret? It's doing our daily acts with love. It's um, putting others before ourselves. It's, you know, that close relationship with God and all these things come together. You know, living that gospel message um, in our own way, you know, and each of the saints is so different. It's beautiful when you look at them, the diversity and um, of them is incredible because each one was so different. Um, but, but their examples can just show us how in our own way, in our own daily lives, we can find our own way to spread, you know, God's message, God's love and live with holiness. Well, to Teresa, if if you're growing in virtue, if you're if you're trying to live a life of heroic virtue, that means plucking out the vices that creep up in our lives as well. Maybe a, a thought on how we can overcome some of those vices and grow in virtue here in this new year. You know, that's that's the tricky one, right? Because nobody wants to sit there and say, "Oh, where can I improve?" But uh, to me, that honesty is so important. I think one of the biggest things is just being really honest with yourself and 
listening to, you know, listening as, as impartially as you can to criticism or not even, you know, not something necessarily super harsh, but maybe if your spouse says, gosh, I wish you could help me out with this or, or a friend says, you know, oh, I'm, you know, I, I could really use some help with that. Like, where can we grow, you know, um, and to take those things seriously. If like a friend or family member has mentioned something that they could use some help with or that they would appreciate if you worked on, um, you know, it, it can be hard to hear. Um, but to be honest with ourselves and, and take that as fairly as we can, as openly as we can. And, um, you know, and it takes a lot of self-reflection, you know, an examination of conscience does so much, a good examination of conscience. Um, so yeah, that's, that's always hard. Nobody wants to think about, you know, what am I doing wrong or where can I grow? But we got to be honest with ourselves. And that was my recent conversation here on Morning Air with uh, Teresa Cervantos, Barber, the assistant editor for Alatea.org. We need to take a, a short break when we come back at Catholic author, speaker, and faith coach Marge Fendelon will be with us to talk about holy time management. Have you ever heard of that term? Well, you'll find out. Stay with us as Morning Air continues on this Friday here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales, Sarah Tafoya, and Glenn Leverins on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us on this Friday morning here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. You can email us directly. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. And you can find us on social media on X, formerly Twitter, at Morning Air Show, as well as on Facebook. Toll-free line if you want to be part of the program this morning, 888-914-9149, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. That's 888-914-9149. Now, this morning, we're going to talk about time management from a spiritual perspective, holy time management. You might be wondering, what in the world is that? We often hear the passage from Ecclesiastes 3, there is an appointed time for everything. This is quoted in poems, songs, and conversations, but do we really know what it actually means? The uh, productivity uh, gurus out there uh, would have us think that our time is our own time and that we must manage it effectively, uh, but there's so much more uh, to time management from a spiritual perspective. Mother Teresa once said, yesterday is gone, uh, tomorrow has not come, we only have today, let us begin. And uh, my hero, Pope St. John Paul II, once said famously, the future starts today, not tomorrow. Joining us live this morning from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, is Morning Air contributor Marge Fenelon for much more on uh, the meaning of holy time management. Marge is an award-winning author, internationally known speaker, and Catholic media personality, and a life coach. She's also the author of several books, including America's Mary, the story of Our Lady of Good Help, now known as Our Lady of Champion. Good morning, Marge. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. It is great to be with you once again here uh, early uh, in this new year. Happy New Year to you. Oh, thank you, John. Happy New Year to you as well. Uh, has the blizzard uh, hit your neck of the woods up in Milwaukee? 
<laughs> yes, I'm. I can. I have a window in my in my home office here, and I'm looking outside, and I'm. What I'm seeing really is is the the possibility of a snowmageddon. Oh <laughs> so my goodness! It's pretty. It's really thick out there. The streetlights are blurry. If that gives you an, an, any indication of how hard the snow is coming down right now, so. Um, this will be an interesting day. <laughs> For sure. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're uh, safe and sound there uh, in your home uh, to talk about uh, time management from a spiritual uh, perspective, uh, the way you call it, uh, holy time management. Before we actually get into it, I'd like you to, to share uh, the verses from Ecclesiastes, that famous passage from Ecclesiastes 3, um, verses 1 through 8. Do you have them there in front of you? I do. I do. Uh, and and I'm sure that that a good number of our listeners will recognize this and they'll they'll think of there there's a classic song that uses these words and then like like you had said saw other songs uh, conversations poems but here's here's how it goes. So there's an appointed time for everything and a time for every affair under the heavens. A time to give birth and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot the plant, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to... <laughs> sorry, sorry, I, I'm getting my words all jumbled up. Time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to be far from embraces, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. A very, very... uh powerful passage from Ecclesiastes 3, and yes, I'm sure many of our listeners are familiar with it and parts of it. You know, we've heard it over the years. Um, can you share with us what you think is the most important part of this passage? Absolutely. When we, when we look at this passage, John, it encompasses just about everything that happens in life and death. It's, it's everything in our lives in one way or another. What's important is the perspective which which we look at this passage. So the human perspective versus God's perspective. You know, I think that in general, uh, we tend to look at this with that human perspective. So meaning there is a time for me to uproot. There's a time for me to scatter stones, excuse me, and and to gather them, etc. But really, this isn't about God. I mean, this isn't about me at all. This is about God. Absolutely. He's giving us that time. And and we I and I know for myself, John, I'm so I'm just as guilty as as anybody else. But I tend to miss that important aspect. That, that perspective where God God is giving us these opportunities and responsibilities. We don't take them for ourselves. 
And it really is a gift. Every day is a gift. Every hour is a gift. Our time is a gift. That first verse, uh, I think, really sets the tone. There is an Mm -hmm. appointed time for everything and a time for every affair under the heavens. Uh, You have to have that divine providence perspective that, you know, God is in charge of everything. He knows the time, the perfect appointed time for everything that happens. We don't know the day or the hour when it's our last day on this planet exactly and and that word appointed is i think it's the most important word in these whole eight verses because appointed time so i don't appoint that time that's not that's not something that i choose god appoints that time for me to do whatever it is he wills that i do And that's just so critical, John. God appoints the time for every single thing we do and experience and think, and I could go on and on and on. He appoints that time. And that is, when when we think, you know, it seems, you, you can say it in a sentence and it seems so simple, but to really ponder on that for a while is 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 something else and and i did i i did that not long ago and i that's kind of what got me thinking about this i mean i've always practiced holy time management but but it really got me thinking more deeply this idea of he's appointing everything that goes on in my day you know we think of the big things you know maybe the the gifts god gives us a a new job a raise a whatever it is, a new baby, but but we don't think of the tiny little things throughout the day. Absolutely. I mean, no, no even to the point of, you, you, you drop a pen. It sounds kind of strange, but but I, I, I do that because I'm clumsy. I'm always dropping my pens because I'm running around the house doing a million things. But But even that moment, God has appointed. It's not like he made you drop your pen as, you know, a joke or a punishment. But that, that there's a meaning to that moment, and he has appointed that moment for you. I want to bring in our listeners. If you have a tough time managing your prayer time, you ever feel like you just don't have time for the Lord because you're way too busy? We're taking your calls for Catholic author, speaker, and life coach, Marsh Finland at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. So uh, how would you uh, explain uh, this term, uh, holy time management? Uh, what exactly uh, is it, and, and how can we live it? Holy time management is, in a way, it's almost the antithesis of the the proverbial planner. You know, and I've got my planner, and and Me I write too. everything Me down. Too. And my daytime. I, I mean, feel, I'm an old fashioned guy. Still use a daytimer. <laughs> Me too. I tried it on my phone. It was a disaster, just an absolute disaster. So I was like, nope, I need my paper. But but we have these planners. But but that again, it's it's taking everything into our power. So so when we look at holy time management, it's understanding that every single entry in that planner every day every minute you know a lot of us have the the appointment calendars or that part of of our planners every single line in that plan planner excuse me belongs to god every moment belongs to god so to implement this idea of holy time management we need to acknowledge that 
and you know it, it's going to be it's going to sound like another cliche but god's time is not my time or our time is not god's time you can say it either way i i hear this a lot i use it a lot for goodness sake but but there's real truth to that because who owns time john who's the owner of time the creator of time. It's God. And ironically, uh, the good Lord is outside of time. Something for us to ponder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it is. And we could do that a whole nother, a whole nother segment on that. But, but you're, you're absolutely right. But as we know it, God owns that time. So to start, and I do do this, to start every day. When you first wake up, all right, you can have your coffee first. But, but when, when you start your day to consciously acknowledge that God owns every minute of that day and to to consecrate or, or surrender every single minute of that day to God and tell him that you know I, I have a little sounds prayer. like I a morning say, offering <laughs> it, it yes it is it's very similar my, my mine goes like this I, I every time and it usually hits me when I when I sit down at, at my desk for the day but I try to do it right away when I wake up. But I always tell him, Father, every minute of my day belongs to you. Help me to spend it according to your will. Don't let me waste a single second, please. What a beautiful prayer. That is outstanding, Marge. I, I love it. You know, as I was preparing to, to talk to you this morning, I, w- I was thinking about uh, St. Paul, who in Colossians 3.17, he writes, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, whatever's on your schedule, I think that if you have that perspective, that any, everything we do that's in our daytimer, if we do it for the Lord, you cannot go wrong. Exactly. And, you know, it's a safeguard as well, this, this little prayer. And, and I, goodness, it's, it's very spontaneous. You can make up anything you want. But, but this is also a safeguard for our dignity as a child of God. Because if I'm sitting down at my computer, or you're sitting down at the TV, or you're turning on the phone, whatever it is, whatever you are about to turn on or tune into belongs to God. And that, if we we approach our days with that mindset, it should help us to make holy, not only holy time management, but holy judgment about how we spend that time in the sense of our getting in the way of what God wants us to do. And Marge, we don't have time to get into it, but uh, beware of procrastination. Uh, you know, I'll do it <laughs> mañana, do it tomorrow. It's been called the, the thief of life. So uh, let's uh, let's do it today. Just Let's just do it and do it for the Lord. Uh, this is outstanding uh, reminder. I really appreciate you being with us here to, to uh, talk about holy time management, Marge. So happy to be here, John. It is a a blessing to be with you, and uh, many blessings uh, the rest of the way. We're just starting out here with this new year, but I think that this is a a good lesson uh, to keep in mind. Marge Fenelon, award-winning author, internationally known speaker, popular Catholic media personality, and life coach. We need to take a short pause when we come back. Bishop Daniel Muggenberg will look ahead to this Sunday's Gospel, so stay with us. There is much more to come on this Friday edition of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio, and the new and improved. Approved relevant radio app.
Wake up. Wake up, America. This, this is Morning Air. Your home for faith, fun, and news in the morning. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Justin Simon. Welcome back to Morning Air on another Friday dedicated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. I'm John Morales. It's good to be with you. And now it's time to look ahead to this Sunday's gospel. Always keep in mind that the Word of God in the Gospels, the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ, is powerful. When the Gospel, the Book Eternal, is proclaimed, Christ is passing by. Jesus is speaking to you. So listen carefully, folks, as Bishop Daniel Muggenberg, Bishop of Reno, Nevada, shares his weekly reflection on this Sunday's Gospel with our very own Glenn Leverance. A Gospel reading for the second Sunday in Ordinary Time comes from John 1, verses 35 through 42. John was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said and followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they went and saw where Jesus was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, was one of the two who heard John and followed Jesus. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. Then he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Time now to take a deeper look at that gospel reading for the second Sunday in Ordinary Time from John 1, verses 35 through 42. And joining us for that look, Bishop Daniel Muggenberg from Reno, Nevada. Bishop Muggenberg, always great to have you along. And great to be here, Glenn. First encounters this week between our Lord and some of the uh, first men that he recruited to be that first batch of 12. Uh, how interesting. They they found him. They thought, well, he's, he's somebody, he's a teacher, and then we kind of go from there. Well, and they're not only the first encounter that Jesus has, I think that this passage in John's Gospel is really meant to be a representative passage um, that's meant to really challenge us in our own discipleship. And, you know, certainly the question that Jesus poses to the disciples is a question that all of us should be answering as well. Is the uh, the disciples were, were John's disciples that were standing with him and kind of like he handed them off to our Lord here. And John has, or will tell us in his gospel, you know, Jesus must increase and he must decrease. So John is really representing a profound humility uh, that readily lets go of of, of his own, um, you know, relationships and connections with people for the sake of leading others to Jesus. John clearly understood that as his mission, his God-given and appointed mission in this world. And so when John had an opportunity to fulfill that, he, he readily encouraged his own disciples to go now, follow Jesus. He's the one, the Lamb of God, the one we've been waiting for. And when he called him the Lamb of God, that title would have literally just just blown their minds because to be the Lamb of God is, is not a symbol of gentleness, you know, or meekness, like sometimes people understand it to be. To be the Lamb of God is to be the perfect, eternal, sacrificial Lamb of God whose blood will bring us salvation for all eternity. And and Jesus, you know, is that Passover Lamb of God who becomes that perfect eternal Lamb on the cross of Calvary in chapter 19 of John's Gospel. So deep and interesting, he's referred to by his his role, his most important role to fill, fulfill being that sacrifice for us. 
True. I mean, when John proclaims Jesus as the Lamb of God, he has already laid out for us um, really a kind of a, a foreshadowing of, of what will take place as the culmination of Jesus's life and ministry. And then we see the disciples following him. They call out to him, Rabbi, meaning teacher, and uh, he has a very interesting question. He does. And these are the first words that Jesus speaks in the Gospel of John. So again, you know, first words are very important words, and we need to pay attention to them because they are they are carefully chosen. And this question, the question of Jesus to the disciples is a perennial question for all of us. That is, what do you seek? What are you really looking for in life? You know, not just what what do you happen to be interested in right now or, you know, what's your momentary curiosity, but what's your profound longing in life? You know, what is it that, 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 that will really give you fulfillment and a sense of meaning and lasting joy? That's a question that we all hopefully have the honesty and the courage to really address. Because it isn't until we acknowledge what we're looking for that we can turn to the Lord and find our deepest longings fulfilled in Him and in Him alone. Thinking of talking to people, inviting them into small groups, and one wonders if, you know, really trying to get at what people are really looking for, if we're trying to reach out for the unchurched, underchurched, or those who are a little bit interested to go beyond the, hey, this would be fun, come hang out with us but uh, to get to as maybe as, as soon as we can what they're really looking for and that we have an answer for them. True. And, and what people tend to be looking for is a sense of communion, um, a real communion with God and with others, a communion that manifests itself in charity and in um, acceptance and in the ability to be vulnerable and honest and to be receive encouragement and support. Um, and that kind of communion can only be rooted um, in Christ. You know, we can't create that on a human level. That's a gift that flows from our communion with God. And so while there could be lots of attractions for experiences like you're describing, ultimately God wants to lead us to something more than just the initial attraction. And that's where I think perseverance and those small faith groups and discipleship groups will lead people to an encounter, not just with with the Lord, but because of their encounter with the Lord, it will lead them to a deeper encounter with one another as well. The Lord has some tough, important questions for those first followers as well as for us to follow him. We have to leave some things behind. (laughs) Accepting the invitation of Jesus could not have been easy for these first disciples because they obviously had plans that day. And when Jesus asks them to come and stay with him, they have to make a decision to let go of their own plans, their own agenda, and to say yes to the Lord and to begin to live according to his agenda instead. And, but they accepted that invitation. That was the moment. That was the moment when following Jesus became the most important thing in their lives. And that's a decisive moment for all of us. Uh, that's when our discipleship moves from the world of convenience and something that happens on our terms to commitment and something that happens on Jesus' terms. That's when we become disciples. And so this definitive moment is a moment that these disciples never forgot. Um, And that's why we're even told the hour at which it occurred. You know, most of us remember where we were and when some of the most critical things in our lives occurred. 
Um, and that memory of a decisive moment is what John is trying to introduce to us in this moment of discipleship right now at the 10th hour. And, and we'll see as the disciples, you know, encounter Jesus and as they, as they say yes to that invitation, that their lives really are changed. And they come back from that experience of dwelling with the Lord, spending time with the Lord, sharing life with the Lord. They come back transformed and they become missionaries, um, bringing the message of Jesus to others. We can only imagine there at four in the afternoon when Andrew, who was one of the two who turned to follow Jesus, told his brother, Oh, by the way, we have found the Messiah. And that's kind of a, an interesting dynamic that happens there, that, you know, the gift of share of faith is shared interpersonally uh, between us. You know, it isn't just that it drops out of the sky from the Lord, but that we actually lead one another to Jesus, and that, and that God both expects us and depends upon us to be his instrument, his communication, um, his means of awakening faith and curiosity and interest in the lives of others so that they will seek Jesus also. And in this case, you know, Andrew, Andrew, Andrew responded to Jesus by first acknowledging him as rabbi, teacher. But after spending time with Jesus, Andrew realized, oh, he is much more than just a teacher. He is much more than just a great man. He really is the Messiah, the anointed one of God, the one who is the fulfillment of all of our hopes and prayers and expectations. This is all in Jesus. And so he came to that deeper understanding of Jesus by spending time with Jesus. And now he proclaims that to his brother, Peter. And so Peter really is indebted to Andrew for leading him to the Lord. And that begs the question for all of us, how well are we sharing our own gift of faith, even though it's a limited understanding of faith? How well are we sharing that with others in a way that makes them curious about Jesus and, and, and makes them want to meet Jesus and be transformed by Jesus as well? Mm -hmm. Because to be a disciple— um, we also have to embrace the call to be a missionary. Really inspiring to look at those early disciples and their actions, their response, and how we can put that into action as well. Thank you once again. Always a pleasure to get to take a deeper look at every Sunday's Gospel reading. Bishop Muggenberg, if you'd be so kind as to wrap us up with a blessing this week. The Lord be with you. And may the blessing of Almighty God, who awakens within each of us a deep hunger for the Lord himself, also give us that courage and that freedom to respond to the invitations God gives us to be with him and to share the message of his love with others. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And thank you, Bishop Muggenberg. And now it's time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today is called Feet Firmly Planted from Amy Better's Midvet and Love What Matters. I watched as the two students noticed I was walking toward them. They both stealthily slid their math homework under their writing notebooks and pretended to be totally engaged in thinking of their next writing idea. I, of course, was not fooled. I came up behind them, crouched low, and whispered, I want to tell you both something. It's what I'd tell my own kids if I were sitting in your seats. It's so important for you to learn to be where your feet are. They looked at me confused, probably partially because they thought I was going to, they were going to be in trouble, and also a little bit because they didn't think this crazy teacher was making much sense. Be where your feet are, I repeated. That means if your feet are in writing, then be 
in writing. Do the work, listen to the teacher, learn writing things, put down words. When you're in math, be in math. Do the problems, ask the questions, do math things. I continued, if your feet are in writing and you're doing math, you're only kind of doing your math and kind of doing your writing. Your attention is split and you can't do your best at anything. Be where your feet are, kiddos, okay? Trust me, it's a whole life lesson. Don't we all need to remember where our feet are? When my feet are at home in my family room, I'm tempted to also be shopping online instead of listening to my kids or talking with my husband. When my feet are in the kitchen making dinner, I'm tempted to be making lists of things left undone or looking at my phone to see what I'm missing out in the world. When my feet are in the car, I'm running through lists of things I still need to do at work instead of grabbing a few minutes of silence or relaxing music that would get me ready for the next place my feet will be. When my feet are at work, I'm thinking about all the things I need to do when I get home or trying to use my lunch to get a few more deals from Amazon instead of chatting with a colleague or going for a walk. It's so hard to be where your feet are. Even during special times, the concerts, parades, dinners, celebrations, we can find ourselves wondering about the next thing we need to do or rushing our people so we can get home to do some other thing that apparently needs doing. But we work best when our brains stay where our feet are. When we live in the moments, right in them, even if they're really hard and even if they're really wonderful. When we are honestly and truly present to the people around us. It's so very hard, but so very life-changing to even try to be where our feet are. And so worth trying. So let's all put our math homework in our backpacks for homework time and listen carefully and intently in writing class. Let's work really hard at work during the day and then leave that place behind at night. Let's look into our children's joy-filled eyes when we're baking cookies with them and Try not to rush all through. Let's have dessert together after dinner and read just one more story. Let's stop always thinking about the next thing and the next and the next. Let's be where our feet are, my friends. Matthew 6, 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. As always, uh, thanks so much, uh, Glenn. I really do appreciate it. Quick reminder, we celebrated uh, the Feast of the Holy Name of Jesus uh, last week at the beginning of the year, but keep in mind that this entire month of January is dedicated to the Holy Name of Jesus. It is powerful. It, it is the shortest and most powerful prayer that we can have, just the name Jesus. So call on the Lord today. Now, coming up next hour here on Morning Air, a pro-life attorney and Morning Air contributor, Mary Helen Fiorito will be with us to talk about how abortion advocates desperately hide the truth that an unborn baby is a baby. Plus, licensed marriage and family therapist Doug Hinder will be with us uh, to uh, share some good reasons why we should be grateful for your spouse's defects. Stay with us. There's much more to come in the final hour of Morning Air on this Friday here on Relevant Radio and the new and improved Relevant Radio app.